When you really stop to think about it, there are just so many reasons to be afraid. Ghosts, demons, ghouls, golems, Dainese, Rakkush, Kakkush, Shakchudni, Jen. The list goes on and on. In this episode, we'll give you one more reason to be afraid to go to sleep tonight. So put on your headphones and settle in as we take you on a journey into the paranormal. Where there's only one question that matters. Are we scared yet? She came to our house when I was just a boy. I was jealous of her at first, since she was about my age and I might need to share my things with her. So I gave her the cold shoulder when she arrived. My parents wanted me to talk to her and make her feel at home. She will have her responsibilities, but she will also need a friend, they'd say. I didn't want to be that person for her. Maru was seven, and I was about eight at the time. She was my brother's new wife. His first wife died in childbirth years ago, and he didn't want to remarry. He was focused on the business and growing our family fortune, but mother insisted that he was already in his late 30s and he needed to remarry soon. And then they found Madhu. She was the oldest of five and her mom was expecting again. Her family couldn't afford to keep her at home any longer. She was just one more mouth to feed, one more body to clothe, one more responsibility. Between her mother being pregnant nearly every year and her father working odd jobs, they could barely afford to put food on the table. So. When word spread that my brother was looking for a new wife, her family was eager to put the beautiful Madhu at the front of the line. My mother slept in the middle and Madhu and I on opposite sides. You can only imagine how upset I was when I had to share my bed with her. That first morning, the first thing Madhu said to me was that I snored and then she laughed at me. I was outraged. I demanded that she should be sent back immediately. Of course, that wasn't happening. I would try to keep my distance, but she would always get in the way and laugh her little head off at my anger, which made me even angrier. Madhu's pestering got to me. So, one monsoon day, she came to see what I was doing with the banana trees, and I immediately thought she was going to make fun of me, as she usually did, so this time, I preempted her. I told her I hated her guts, and I wish she never came to our house, and that if she had any dignity, she wouldn't come home. So... Madhu stayed in the woods, getting wet all afternoon, until my mother found out where she was and put an end to it and brought her home. Madhu had a fever. (coughs) 
She was not herself. She didn't eat or sleep. She was in a trance. She would talk to herself all the time, but not really talk to anyone in particular. It felt terrible. And against my will, I became afraid that she wouldn't make it and I would be alone without her. When she finally recovered, our rivalry was broken and we became friends. It wasn't easy to get her to cheer up after her recovery because she certainly wasn't my fan, but I won her over and life was good. We did everything together. My brother, he was always busy. He had nothing to do with the young wife at home. He had business to focus on and she had to grow up. At that point, my brother frequently came home and that made me upset. Back then, I didn't know why, but now I do. We were teens when the news came. My brother died in an accident not far from the family business while he was out for lunch. I was relieved. I shouldn't have been, but I was. But I did not imagine what would happen next. Madhu was getting ready as tears streamed down her face. But she said nothing. She got ready in her wedding attire. And she looked as beautiful as ever. Even cried. I was so busy being a boy, a boy in love, that I had forgotten her future. For many years, it hadn't happened. No men we were close to died in the recent years. At least, none with a living wife. It was time for her to get ready to serve her husband in the afterlife and join him on his pyre. As I realized this, I ran to Madhu, and she knew. She knew what I was going to say, and she looked at me, begging me not to say anything. She knew this might have been her fate all along, and she had quickly made peace with it. But what about me? How could I make peace with it? She asked my mother and everyone to leave the room. She had to talk to me. She told me it was okay. She was happy that she was blessed to spend many years with me, to have a companion to grow up with more than that. So many girls didn't have that. They went to homes with no young children and they were made to be adults, whether they were ready or not. She was luckier than they. When she got married, she didn't know what she was signing up for. It was just a real life version of playing house. My brother was a good man. He was good to her and took care of her and she respected him. It wasn't him that she loved, but she always knew her duty was to her husband. 
and not to whom she loved. She told me it would be okay and she would always be with me. What do you think I did then? Just because she was acting like a grown woman at 14, I wasn't a man yet. As the youngest son of the family, neither did anyone expect me to be. I told her we could run away. We could hide. We could build a future together. Somewhere no one would know that I wasn't her husband. She didn't say a word, but instead steeled herself to her duty. Her face became a hardened mask. She looked like a woman full grown in that moment. I ran to my parents and begged them, begged them to spare her. But even if they wanted to, it was not their decision. A woman's life ended with her husband. That's how it was, how it had been, and how it would be until the end of time. They locked me up. They locked me in my room where I cried, yelled, tried to break the door, tried to break the window, but even in my heightened emotional state, I wasn't strong. I cried and I cried until I passed out in a puddle of my tears. When I awoke, it was morning, and she was gone forever. I was in a daze. I didn't eat or drink for days. My family tried everything, but I was inconsolable. Until she came. She flowed in off the balcony on a breeze that smelled of sesame oil, lit by a crystalline moonbeam. She stood for a moment, taking me in before she approached my bedside, sat down. I could feel the bed sink as she lowered herself. And she told me I had to live. I had to do the things she didn't get to do. And so I did. I eventually married, had children of my own, and my wife was a good woman. She took care of me and the family until her last breath. I was so glad that I was there to see it. I did everything I was to do as her husband, but we were never in love and she didn't seem to mind that one bit. She was content being in the big house, being occupied, and keeping up with the community. Madhu helped me choose her. Since the day she came to me, we have been together. My sons have married, have children. They've all moved to the city. And I'm here with staff that takes care of me as I live my last days 
with mother. Some nights we walk around the house. Some nights we sit and talk. I'm an old man and she's just as beautiful as she ever was. I wonder if I'll be able to hold her again when I finally escape this aging body. The Sati ritual, the practice of a widow burning herself on her husband's funeral pyre, is a reminder of the injustices suffered by women throughout history. Although the practice was banned in India in 1829, the legacy of this cultural tradition still lives on, and the magnitude of women who have fallen victim is unknown. This episode serves as a reminder this Valentine's Day that we need to do better. And that sometimes the paranormal is the least frightening part of a paranormal story, as the reality of human suffering and oppression can be far more frightening. We hope you'll join us for our next installment of Are We Scared Yet? and a tale that is certain to leave you feeling weak to your stomach. Coming soon.